Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. Eric Tivers and I will be doing the monthly ADHD Rewired Q&A this coming Tuesday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to ADHDrewired.com events for more details. And of course, the ADHD parent coaching groups are coming. We meet online, and I'm offering three sessions. One at noon on Mondays and Wednesdays, another at noon on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and the third session will be Tuesdays and Thursdays at 5 p.m. They begin the week of January 20th. If you're interested, visit ADHDessentials.com slash sign up to register for your free pre-screening call right now. That's ADHDessentials.com slash S-I-G-N hyphen U-P or Go to ADHDessentials.com slash parent groups for more details. All of those links will be in the show notes. Finally, I'd love a five-star rating and review on iTunes if I've earned it. It makes a great Hanukkah gift and goes a long way towards helping others find the show. This is episode 49. Today, we're talking to Cindy Jobs. Cindy is a professional organizer and ADHD coach who I met at last month's ADHD conference. And I'm really glad I did, because organization is a thing we ADHD folks tend to struggle with. In today's episode, we're talking about organization as a balance between space and stuff, the clutter-anxiety connection, and making holiday kits. You can find Cindy at cindyjobs.com. All right. Let's get rolling. Well, how I got there is kind of fascinating. I started my professional organizing business several years ago. And just by happenstance, um, one of my very first clients was a lady who had been diagnosed at 55 with ADHD. She was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But when she retired, her life kind of fell to pieces organizationally. So she hired me to come in and help her get organized. After a few sessions, bless her heart, she handed me Sari Solden's book and said, this is working really well. I think you need to learn more about why I'm disorganized. And I'm disorganized because I've just been diagnosed with ADHD. I knew nothing about it up until that point. And that kind of launched my trajectory on really trying to figure out more about executive function and how that intersects with productivity and organization and process and that type of thing. So really my very, one of my very first organizing clients became my uh, inspiration. What fascinated you about it? I'm a very linear thinker. I'm a very process oriented thinker. And it fascinated me that everyone didn't think that way. It fascinated me that people could get 90% through a process and then consider it done. It fascinated me that 
there were struggles with things that I found very intuitive. I, I didn't know I didn't know why until I started really reading and studying about ADHD and executive function. I just didn't understand it, and the more I read, um, the more I wanted to help. The more I wanted to kind of get involved because it was a population that the more the more people I had contact with. Because fortunately, that first client introduced me to her therapist, who introduced me to some other people. And I started to really understand the scope of um, the struggles that were out there. And I, I just wanted to learn more and see how I could intersect and, and help. So how are you helping? What sort of organizational tools and strategies do you bring to bear for your clients? Well, my clients are pretty broad-based. So the way I help varies depending upon the client. I do a lot of time management work with my clients because as, as I found, transitions are difficult. So when I have clients who um, are always late for work or they're always late for doctor's appointments or they're always late to pay bills or they're always late to do things because they don't have triggers and transition tools and that type of thing. Um, so I work with the people on, on time management a lot. I also work with folks in physical organizing spaces because one of the reasons that uh, my clients are late for work is because they can't find the black pants that they were absolutely certain they had dry cleaned and were in their closet somewhere. And so they, they just can't find them. And so they spend 10 minutes looking for the pair of black pants that they wanted to wear to work and now they're late. Or they can't find their keys. Or they've misplaced their medication. Um, so we do a lot of work around organizing their spaces in such a way that it makes their days more efficient and less stressful. Do you have any guiding principles around organizing space that you can share with the audience? I do. When I work with, with clients, what I ask them to do is think about the space that causes them the most trouble, whether it's their closet because they can't find their black pants that they wanted to wear to work today, or whether they get frustrated making coffee because the coffee supplies are all over the house or all over the kitchen, or they can't find their keys. Every day they're scrambling to try to find their keys. I ask my clients to figure out what their, and I refer to it as their biggest pain point, mm -hmm. and start there. If we can get that piece under control, sometimes the rest of their day just goes a little bit better. So I'm thinking of my ADHD clients, and I'm thinking of their biggest pain points. And my clients are going to go one of two ways. They're either going to like bite the bullet and the accountability of the coach is going to help them jump into that, or they're going to avoid it. And it's going to breed more shame because they're not dealing with that pain point. So if they jump into it, that's great. But if the client is going to avoid it, if they're not engaging with that pain point because there's so much pain in it already, and they don't want to have to face that. How do you help them engage? That's really why I became a coach is I, I started my life as a professional organizer then because I was working a lot with a population that needed more support. Mm -hmm. I, I became a coach because what I found is my just saying, trust me, this is going to be better for you if you do the hard stuff first, wasn't resonating and it wasn't going to work. We needed to kind of figure out what the, the cost benefit analysis, for lack of a better term, is. What's the benefit 
to being able to find your keys every morning? If that's your biggest pain point, what's the cost of, of not making a change there? And I do a lot of, of coaching with my clients because we, we don't want to do the hard stuff first. We want to do the easy stuff first. And sometimes that's the right way to go. Organizing a kitchen is hard stuff. Organizing your silverware drawer, not so tough. So yeah, sometimes we do just have to start with stuff that gives us that win first. But being able to tie back to kind of the why behind wanting to make the change and the why behind why it's hard and the benefit of of making a shift sometimes is very helpful. You're sort of playing with the idea that can be challenging for folks with ADHD of like, yes, reorganizing your kitchen is going to suck. It's going to be hard. But in the long run, being able to find all of your coffee supplies will feel better than this temporary pain of totally reorganizing your kitchen because you won't have the slow, gradual pain of where are my coffee filters? Where's my mug? Where are the coffee grounds? Oh, I only have beans. Nothing's ground or whatever the case may be. Is that sort of where you're going? Yeah, that's where, that's where I'm going. That's the, we can, we can keep doing what we're doing and that's okay. You know, if that, if that works for us, then that's okay. Most of my clients have, have identified that it's not working. Mm -hmm. They don't call me because things are working. They call me because things are not working and they want to make a change and they don't know where to start. If they knew where to start and they knew how to make the change, they would have already done it and they wouldn't need me. So connecting back to, yes, it's icky and it's painful and it's going to suck to go through this process. It's not fun. I, I, I mean, it's super fun for me. Don't get me wrong. I love every minute of what I do, but I can tell you most of my clients are not disappointed when I leave. They're, yeah. they're like, wow, this was really hard. This was, this was hard work because it is. But a week later, when I get the email saying, this is really super cool, that it only took me five minutes to make my coffee because I realized I did have coffee and I knew where the coffee filters were and there were some clean cups and the sugars, oh, by where the coffee is, not in the baking supplies. That's a good feeling for all of us to say, okay, we made that little teeny bit of difference in how you start your day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is not like going to Disneyland, um, but in the, in the long run, I, I tend to find with all of my clients that it, it pays off and they're not disappointed they've made the effort. One of the points you made before we hopped on the recording is that that organization is not just a one-time thing and that it takes constant care. I, it took me so long to figure that out. When it comes to organization, the two biggest ahas that I got when I was, really when I started doing the ADHD stuff is when I started to figure this out, when I started to grapple with my own ADHD. One was that being organized is like vacuuming a rug. Like you don't vacuum a rug once and then never have to vacuum it again. Organizing felt like that to me. Like, well, no, I organized it. Like I'm done now. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, and also that organization isn't for now. I don't organize for me in this moment. I organize for future me who's going to have to find the coffee. Those two reframes for me were enormous. How do we help the listeners? How do you help your clients maintain that organization? Well, one of my jobs when I go in to organize folks is to transfer some organizing skills. And um, I generally don't work with a client just once. As a general rule, people call me when their homes are in such a state that you know, a, a three-hour appointment with me isn't going to, quote, fix the problem mm -hmm. or fix the situation. 
So my job as an organizer is to go when I meet with them to actually transfer some some skills. So for example, when we're talking about being able to find, you know, to be able to make coffee, if we've gone in and organized a space that allowed them to be able to make coffee, the next thing that I do when I go back and visit with them is let's talk about how that worked. You know, is this stuff still where it was when we organized it? And if so, what's the learning from that? What's the learning about how putting the sugar back and putting the creamer back and putting the filters back, how did that benefit benefit you the next day. So kind of reinforcing the learning behind, yes, now we got the coffee station organized and every day you knew where to put it. So that's really one of the big keys too, is one of the reasons that we get disorganized is because our spaces are chaotic. So we don't necessarily have space to put all of the stuff to make coffee in the same place because it's scattered all over the kitchen because all over the kitchen is where we found the space for it. Now that it's organized and it's all together, it has a home. So it's easier to put things back in its home when we've defined where it lives. So kind of connecting back to it's organized, it has a home, which makes your life so much easier at 5.30 in the morning when you want to make your coffee. Kind of connecting back to that and maintaining that this is where the sugar goes. This is where the the coffee filters go and nothing else goes there. Let's not put the salad tongs where the filters go because there's space. Connecting back to everything has a home and if it has a home, we'll put it where it lives if we can. And I'm wondering about that word because there's space. We ADHD people, especially if the space is on a flat surface, it's almost like it makes us uncomfortable and we have to put something in it. Yeah, I know for me, that's how it tends to go. And I don't know what that phenomenon is. And I don't know that it's actually an anxiety thing. I think it's just like, well, I could put this here and then it will be somewhere. How do we help people with ADHD manage and navigate that desire to not let space exist or at least to use that space by putting something in it? Organizing is just a balance of space and stuff. Mm-hmm. If there's a flat surface, and trust me, this is not unique to people with ADHD. Most of us, if there's a horizontal surface, we'll just put something on it because it's because it's easy because we're living in the now versus the future now, you know, the, the later. And it's really super easy to walk in the door and drop your keys on a flat surface. That's easy. Um, and then it's really easy to put the mail on top of it. And then it's really easy to put your coffee cup next to it. It's really easy to lose your keys because your keys don't have a home and you've just dropped them on a flat surface. So things have a home and sometimes open space is good. There's, I can't quote the study, but there are studies, but the emotional well-being of open space versus the low level anxiety and anxiousness of having cluttered spaces, there's a correlation there. We feel better when we have open spaces. So there's a reason that when you look at Better Homes and Gardens, there's very little stuff generally on counters. When you see pictures of appliances, we don't see cords because cords are clutter. They're not visually appealing. There's a reason that when we look at marketing things, there's very little noise around them because you want to be able to focus on the thing, not Mm -hmm. the things around it. So being comfortable with open space is kind of maybe a little bit of a learned activity for some people because that's not what we're used to. That's not where our comfort zone is. But once we get used to it, 
what I have found with my clients is that when we get some open space and we know how that feels to walk in and see a clean counter, once we get comfortable with that and used to that, we want other things to look that way. We want our bathroom counter to look that way because when we walk into a space that's cluttered after we've been in a space that's not cluttered, we feel our shoulders get tense. And I, I don't know if this is you know what happens with you, but it just is there's a different physical feeling to open space versus cluttered spaces for a lot of people. Yeah, there absolutely is. And, and I've read those same studies that mm-hmm. clutter causes anxiety. Yep. And, and those open spaces, those clear countertops, the better homes and garden vista, it reduces anxiety, or at least it doesn't cause it. So you're, you're reducing your anxiety by not keeping yourself at that higher tier by causing it with clutter. And you mentioned earlier that organization is just a balance between stuff and space. So how do we increase the space if we if we've agreed that more open space is going to help us manage our anxiety, which is probably not where the listeners expected this episode to go. It's totally where I thought it was going to go, but I bet some of our listeners are like, wait, what just happened? Um, If we know that that open space is going to help us manage some of that anxiety and maybe drop us from a five to a four or maybe even a three, how do we increase that open space? With less stuff or with making sure that the stuff that we have has a home. Mm-hmm. I'll go into kitchens a lot, a lot of times and, or it doesn't matter what the space is, but kitchens are notorious for having duplications of things. Six or seven pairing knives, for example, each pairing knife takes up space mm-hmm. because it's stuff. Most of us never use six or seven pairing knives at a time. We don't have like apple pairing parties, so we don't need more than one or two, but we have six. If we decide our two favorite pairing knives, then we can get rid of four or five of them and that creates more space because there's less stuff. Same thing with boots or black pants or whatever it is that we have duplicates of in our homes. If we can get rid of the duplicates and just keep our favorites, that's fantastic. That gives us more space because there's less stuff and possibly um, we already have a home for two pairing knives or two pair of boots. The other thing that I ask clients to really look at is what's the stuff that we have that's not really serving us well? And an example that I use frequently is that almost every single one of my clients has an angel food baking pan. And they're one of our worst nightmares because number one, they take up an inordinate amount of space. And because the little bottoms pop out of them, so you can't stack anything. So if you want to have an angel food cake pan, you need to take up about one square foot of cupboard space somewhere. Mm -hmm. And most of my clients haven't baked an angel food cake pan in the better part of eight to 10 years. (laughs) You pretty much just go to the grocery store and you buy one because it's way easier. So if you think about an angel food cake pan, that's one item that you can get rid of that frees up one square foot of space. That's a lot of space that you could put something that you actually use. Really taking a hard look at what we own and what we can get rid of is the first step to being able to create more space or create more usable space. I don't know why my head went here. Um, What you've got me thinking about is maybe a year ago, I put some like the utility hooks, the 3M plastic white hook things. Um, I put those on my wall in my bedroom and I hang my shirts on them, like my dress shirts, because 
I wasn't using my closet effectively. And we've since replaced the light in my closet. And now I use it more often because it can be lit and that makes it easier to use. But there's this back part of my closet that's hard to get to because it's behind a wall. It's one of those closets that you sort of accordion door open it. So the doorway is fairly wide, but the closet still extends beyond those doors. And it's not deep enough to make it easy to get to the stuff behind where the wall starts. So I'm thinking right now about how I've got stuff back there that I haven't worn probably in the better part of eight to 10 years. And the stuff that is in constant rotation is on these hooks. And then there's things in the middle in the closet that I use sort of as necessary, like a suit and things that I'm not commonly wearing. But I can probably chuck the stuff deeper in my closet or donate it to charity or something and get rid of it. So that's going to be my action step for once we hang up. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) I always love to leave with um, homework assignments for people. That's fantastic. So you have your homework assignment already, already put together for you. I do. Yeah, no, that's great because that, there are two things there that I heard that I absolutely love is kind of a little bit of a light bulb moment that, oh, well, possibly if I get, if I ditch the stuff and giving it to charity, bless you, that's fantastic because somebody probably can use it or needs it, makes space to put things in your closet that you're hanging on your wall that may or may not be creating visual clutter for you. Right. Who knows? Sometimes it's just simpler to hang things up and a lot, I, I use a lot of those 3M command hooks in, in my organizing process because it's either that or it goes on the bed or on the floor. Right. A 3M hook is better than on the bed or on the floor. If the closet's not going to, if you're not going to do it, if you're not going to hang it up in the closet, then don't create an organizing system that requires you to do that. Create an organizing system with 3M hooks that you can just hang something on it. Perfect. Yeah. I am bad at using my closet. I think it's the nature of the closet more than anything else. Um, I think if it was a little bit deeper, I would be more likely to use it. But it's just difficult. There's a limit to how much space I can actually use effectively in the closet because the the coat hangers come like right up to the wall once you get past the door. So really, it's just where the doors are that I can effectively use the space. And it's only half of that because my wife has the other half of the closet. I just don't use that stuff enough. And it what wound up happening was things like suits and shirts that I don't I wear on more formal occasions like when I have to give a workshop or something the stuff that I want to keep nicer wound up getting pushed to the back of the closet where I wasn't getting stuff because the stuff that was in constant rotation the less impressive dress shirts and those kinds of things were in the front of the closet but I also wasn't using the less impressive dress shirts that often anyway because I just wasn't going to the closet I would typically I'd wear them and I'd take them off and they'd wind up on the floor on the back of a chair like you said so that's where the hooks came in was I was like well at least they're on a hook and I'll see them and be more likely to wear them. You were talking about that space in kind of the back of your closet. Space isn't just space. I look at space like real estate. Um, There's really great real estate, and then there's, you know, marginal real estate, and then there's real estate where nobody goes. When I talk to people about organizing and how to use their space, I talk about what, where the valuable real estate is and the valuable real estate in an organizing scenario is really between your shoulders and your knees. It's stuff that you can get to pretty easily without a step stool or without having to get down on your hands and knees. It's eye level. You can see it without really having to go do a lot of work. Then there's the less valuable real estate, which is you have to reach for it. You can't see it. And then there's what I refer to as basic storage real estate. So your turkey roaster that you you use on Thanksgiving, that's kind of 
storage real estate, but your coffee making supplies, that goes in your really valuable real estate somewhere, you know, eye level or in that area. So when you're talking about your closet, that space, that six or eight or 12 inches where you kind of get to the bifold behind the bifold doors, that's second or third tier real estate. That's close to storage because it's almost impossible to get to. Right. The upper um, shelves in a closet, that's kind of storage because if something's up there, you have to have a need to get it. You'll go through the effort to get that suit if you're doing a presentation, if it's shoved in the back of the closet. But if it's your medium dress shirt that's back in the back of the closet, you're not going to go through the effort. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go through the effort to dig through the rest of the stuff to get to it. So you're going to go through the effort um, to go get the roasting pan out of the garage if you're making a turkey, but it doesn't need to live in your valuable real estate where things that you use more frequently are living. Does that make sense? That does make sense. That makes a lot of sense. My closet is bad enough that I think that those back half a foot to a foot is actually storage. Like it's, it, yeah. it's that bad. But you've got me, I was thinking I'm going to, can I circle back to that turkey baster? I thought I said turkey roaster, but if we want to talk about basters, we can talk about, we can talk about basters too, if you'd like, because that's another thing that can go in storage. Yeah. Well, and I, maybe I misheard it or, or I just yes. misprocessed it one or the other. Um, because one of the things I'm thinking about it as an ADHD person, right? And if I put, if I put a turkey baster is a better example. If I put a turkey baster into storage I'm going to forget where my turkey baster is when I need it. And then I'm going to wind up with six turkey basters because I'm going to keep buying them every year. A turkey roaster, probably not. That's a little more expensive than like a $4 trip to the supermarket. I don't even know where to find a turkey roaster. So it'd be a harder thing for me to buy and it would cost more money. I couldn't just rush out and get one real quick. How do we navigate that part of storage? Because probably the turkey baster would be better served in storage as opposed to the drawer where we keep it and only use it once, if that because we often go to my in-laws for Thanksgiving. So I don't think we've ever used our turkey baster, but we have one because you're supposed to, I guess. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just means you have a house, right? Like well, have, absolutely. House? You're, you're, you're an adult. You have a turkey baster. Yeah, Therefore right. you are an adult. <laughs> um, so those things that could go into storage, how do we not lose sight of them? If we're taking the turkey roaster and the turkey baster separately, the roaster, I, I would still say you're going to know probably whether or not you own one and it's going to be worth the effort to go find it. If we're talking the turkey baster and we don't own a turkey roaster, then it probably needs to stay in your utility drawer in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, where, where you keep your wooden spoons and, and tongs. If you own a turkey roaster and the only time you use your turkey baster is with your turkey roaster, put the turkey baster in the turkey roaster because it's going to be there when you pull your turkey roaster down. Awesome. That's kind of the, one of the other things that we, I, I talk to my clients about is, you know, keeping like things with like things. So if, if you make a turkey once a year and you use a turkey roaster, a turkey baster and whatever that string is, you clearly, I don't do it. I don't make a turkey. <laughs> um, but I see people who use like that string stuff to tie up the legs. Yep. If you use those three things every time you make a turkey, then all those things should be kept together. Just like keeping all your coffee supplies together. Right. Keeping all the stuff that you need to make a turkey in the turkey yeah. roaster and keep the turkey roaster somewhere where you'll go look for it. 
you could even keep the recipe in there. You could. Whatever you need to make it to make the turkey as you want to make the turkey. Or if you're doing if you normally make the turkey dinner for the family and you say, I always want to make, you know, these yams and this recipe of turkey and this recipe of stuffing, keep all of that there. So it's all in one place and you're not having to go, oh wait, let me go to my recipe card to get this and let me go to my utility drawer to get the baster and let me go to the string drawer to get the string to tie the legs up. If it's all right there, it just makes that part of it less stressful. Yeah. And related to that, I'm thinking about the recipe part of it, right? Because that's something you can have more than one of, and it's not going to cause too much of a problem. If you like that yam side dish at times other than Thanksgiving, maybe you just have a copy of it in with the turkey baster and roaster and another copy in your recipe book so that you can use it at other times as well. But you're sort of, you're almost making a, a Thanksgiving kit is sort of what we're describing, right? Right. I love that thought process of, of the kit because that can go other places in your house. I mean, you can yeah. have an office kit, you can have a jewelry kit, whatever it is. If you, if you think about it in that kit aspect and put everything in there that you need to do whatever job it is that you need to do, and it's all right there, it just, it just everything becomes easier. I use that approach and the Thanksgiving kit is a new way to look at it for me. But I use that approach with some of my clients who like, I've got one guy who's writing a thesis. He has a thesis kit. He has a, like a bag that's full of all the stuff he needs to write his thesis. So if he's having a day when he's going to work on the thesis, but he's going to be somewhere other than home, he can grab this bag. And if he's at home, he just works out of the bag or he can go to the library or wherever. And he also has one for um, drawing. He's an artist. So he's got a, like a drawing one and he's got kids. So he has a bag for on the go with the kids and all that kind of stuff. That actually, for him at least, proved to be a pretty effective organizing strategy because he would keep buying more and more things because he couldn't find the stuff that he needed. But when we built the kits, then he knew, oh, I have that stuff. Like it's in the brown bag or the blue bag or whatever. No, I think, that, I think that's really smart. That's really, that's really smart. And, and in that situation, it's okay to have duplicates of things. It also uses that um, kit and everything has a home kind of keeping all of those things together. Everything that he needs for his thesis is right there and he pulls it out of there and he puts it back in there because it, it has a home. It, it knows where it's supposed to live and he knows where it's supposed to live. So yeah. The key to organizing really is you know, people say, well, what's the best way to organize this? And my answer to that is always, how do you use it? And what's the best way to organize it for you? Because the best way to organize it for me and the best way to organize it for you, Brendan, may be entirely different. So really coming up with what works for anybody is the, the quote, best organizing system for them. When you started talking about putting like things with like things, so like all of the pairing knives together or putting the sugar with the coffee, for example, um, you immediately said it doesn't need to be with the baking supplies, right? If we need sugar for a coffee, that sugar doesn't need to be with the baking supplies. My brain was like, yeah, but the, then there's no sugar for the baking supplies. Like I was sort of in this binary thought process. And I think we've clarified that. So if anyone else was stuck in that mode at the time or since, you can have things in more than one places <laughs> or more than one place. You just need to separate them out. So you can have sugar with your coffee and sugar with your baking gear. If that's what works, then, right. then, that's, then that's what the best way to do it is. 
what about the location of stuff? How does the geography of, of organization play into how we should approach things? My philosophy is store it, organize it, whatever term you want to use, wherever you use it. Um, so if you wanted to use your mixer more, then you probably need to put it in a more accessible, more visible place. Mm -hmm. Chances are, if, if you made the decision that I want to, I'm, I'm going to keep it out for a week because we're making a bunch of cookies, that makes perfectly good sense. If in you know, March you want to make a, a bunch of bread, you need to make the decision whether or not it's worth the effort to get into that space that's below your knees to save using the spoon. Um, because it's, you know, it, it's probably not being stored at your neighbor's house. So it needs to be, <laughs> it needs to be accessible, but take a little bit of, a little bit of effort to get there because you're not using it that often. Other things like, you know, staplers, people think, oh, staplers should go in the office. I have an office, so I should keep my stapler in the office. Well, that's fantastic if you process all of your paperwork in your office. Most of my clients don't. They process stuff at their kitchen counter. Two things happen. Number one, they um, never staple anything because their staplers in the office and their papers get all jumbled up because they're not stapled. Well, if you process your paperwork at the kitchen counter, put a stapler somewhere near the kitchen counter because that's where you use it. Just because it's a stapler and it's an office supply doesn't mean it has to live in the office. It should live wherever you do the function that requires it. I had a client who was adamant that she had um, all of her fingernail polish was stored under the sink in the bathroom. And I'm like, great, that's fantastic. And she says, but I never do my nails because I usually do my nails when I'm working on the computer and the bathroom's 40 feet away from the computer. So I just don't do my nails because it's too much work to go into the bathroom and I forget that I have you know, this pink and whatever. So we moved all of her fingernail polish supplies to her office because that's where traditionally she did that process. Once we did that, it became more accessible. She remembered that she had it. She performed that function in her office more frequently because it was easier. Same thing with the stapler in the kitchen. Most people go, why do you keep a stapler in your kitchen? Well, because it doubles as my office sometimes. So that's the tool that you need to do whatever function is that you're trying to do. The tool should live wherever you do that function, not where Better Homes and Gardens tells us it should be. The way I refer to this concept is reducing the barrier to entry. Right. Walking to the bathroom to get the nail polish is a bigger barrier to entry than she's willing to handle because she doesn't have to paint her nails even though maybe it brings her joy and she enjoys doing it, mm -hmm. but that 40 foot walk is enough to not do it. So bring right. them into the office. Now that barrier for entry is gone. Thinking of this in terms of parenting, one of the areas that I often see this happen is around teeth brushing and like hygiene for kids, because this is typically for my clients who have two floors on their house. The, the folks who live in a ranch, this happens less often. But typically the toothbrush and the, and the face cloth and all that kind of stuff is in the bathroom upstairs. And the kids wake up, get dressed and go downstairs and have breakfast. And then the barrier for entry of going all the way back upstairs to brush their teeth means that there's a battle around brushing their teeth or washing their face or whatever hap happens in the morning. Um, and so I often say to them, why don't you just have some stuff in the bathroom downstairs? Maybe this won't be a problem. And so far that has worked with 90% of the people. Mm -hmm. It seems so simple. It seems like such a no brainer thing, but it, it works. That's a really important point. Thank you for bringing it up. 
And I think the other part of that is it can also be a barrier to completion and a clutter creator. Because if you say, okay, it's worth my effort to walk to the bathroom to get all my fingernail polish. So I do the thing that brings me joy, but my barrier to completion is that now there's a huge effort after the fun part's over to putting it all away. So I'm just not going to do that. So now all of a sudden we have all of the clutter sitting everywhere in my office, you know, or in an office. So I think you're absolutely right. There's a, there are barriers possibly on both ends of it. And so put all the tools that you need for the job in one place. Number one, they'll be there to start. And then they also will be there for the end completion of kind of organizing and putting things away. You won't end up with, oh, wait a minute. Now my toothpaste and toothbrush is in the downstairs bathroom and it's creating a clutter environment there. So I, I think that's, I think that's really smart. That barrier to completion is important too. And the, that it can lead to clutter. It's like, we need to have effective organizational strategies around cleanup as well. Like the, the nail polish thing, maybe you just have a, a caboodles for those of you who grew up in the eighties. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you can put all of that stuff away just in that box or in that, in that little container so that it's contained and put away and isn't creating the clutter. Right. Right. Um, so just being mindful of time, do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience around organization? For those of you that are super excited about going out and organizing, go for it. The one thing that I will say is that um, it's really important when you get the organizing bug to be um, conscientious and not organize other people first. I did it myself. I get super excited about organizing and I, I organized my husband's closet for him and he came home and was extremely distressed and said, put it all back because he had his own organizing system. My organizing system didn't work for him. So if you want to start an organizing process, focus on something that's yours to organize and just be, be um, aware that their organizing is again, like you were talking about, um, it is both an act and a process. It is an ongoing process. Keeping that in mind, we are, we vacuum on a regular basis. So the, the two or three minutes that it takes to sweep things up at the end of the day, and that's um, what I suggest a lot too, is once you get things organized, when you get to that quote organized space, it, it only takes, only takes a, a, a few minutes a day to maintain it. But if we don't maintain it, then we're kind of back in that vicious cycle of having to spend hours getting it back to the point where it becomes efficient and effective again. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com. And visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need. Thank you.